radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. And it's taken away. Sergei Zoltak from Minnesota. Here's Brunette. Brunette's in. Andrew Brunette shot score. Andrew Brunette in solid death overtime. And Minnesota is moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Wilds have pulled off the upset. They have defeated the Colorado Avalanche in sudden death overtime. Oh, and like a proud Thursday, February 13th, 2020, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm still, and mm. I will continue to be, mm. losing it, James Cole, Miss, yeah, uh, well, you pulled it together there, you got it, Thanks. I thought you were losing it there, ah, it's okay, wasn't as good as last week, last week was good, you were firm, in. firm, crisp, yeah, it was like, the Collinsworth slide. You kind of just slid in there, and it's like, you know. He is a guy. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm Brutes Bataglia of the North Side. Welcome to uh, Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. Sure. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm here every week. So. Not you. The uh, people. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. Welcome. Sure. Yeah, welcome, I, Brutes. I don't know. You don't really, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone be like, welcome to, when you listen to a podcast. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Uh, it's normally just like this is, you know. You're in, yeah. I, you're in puck soup. Well, I, I mean that's I a unique so. one, but yeah, that's that's fair. I guess this is the yeah no okay yeah no uh, anyway. Yeah, so uh, we're back. This is kind of a a weird day for everybody. I think yeah. last year we did Wednesday nights, and here we are. On a yeah, Wednesday it's like the throwback so. Wednesday, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, throwback Thursday. Except we never really released on Thursday mornings. It was like we would record Wednesday, release Friday, which in hindsight is kind of ridiculous that we used to do that. Now it's like, you know, now it's a nice quick turnaround. You know, we record the night before, it's out in the morning, you're, you know, you're sitting at your office trying to wake up, uh, it's not going so well, you listen to us drone on, and then you fall asleep at your desk, right? That's how it normally goes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we are happy to have you. And, uh... Me? The people. Oh. Still... It's for the people. That's a rare one. I haven't done that in a while. It's true. Anyway. Throwback. Throwback Thursday, I guess. You're saying? Um, no, I was just saying, like, you know, this is, uh, we're back now, and and uh, it's kind of a weird night. But the reason that it's a weird night is because the Oscars took place on Sunday night, and as a result, we didn't record on Sunday night. And um, uh, because of such, we haven't talked about the Oscars since mm. they happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about that off the hop here. We're going to start with that. We're going to start with the Oscars. Yeah. The 92nd Academy Awards. Um, I, I I was working for most of it, so I didn't see the whole evening. Did, mm. did you watch? Or yeah. did you just see who won? No, and... I saw the whole thing. Oh. I, I don't think wow, I missed it. for you. I haven't missed the, a minute of the Oscars in probably like 13 years. Oh, you poor bastard. Um, yeah, you didn't. You didn't miss a ton. No, 
uh, three hours and 40 minutes of television. I gotta tell you, though, like, I'm so used to watching this show, like, it doesn't really, like, drone on for me. Like, it's still an appropriate length. They get everything done. I think it's it's the fine length, like three and a half hours. That's that's good. Yeah, they can do everything. It doesn't feel rushed, but it also it's a little gets long for done. me. Like I'd, I'd rather okay. keep it three and under myself, but okay. I get how maybe you can't. I like that in recent years they've allowed more time for like the lesser categories to actually give their speeches and stuff like that. Yeah, and they've there's less like garbage. Like we don't we don't need skits and and skits and bits. You know, ooh, mm. skits and bits. No host either, so you know, I less, grab, less uh, jokes. What, what's that? What's that snack called? Kibbles and bits. Kibbles, not kibbles and bits, but the bits and bites. Bits and I might bites. Let's see if I got any bits and bites in the in the kitchen. But yeah, no, Kits it's and uh, cats and kibbles and bites. There you go. Mm. Unfortunately, um, I have to settle for the frozen pizza that's going to beep in a couple minutes. Ooh, good. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's fine. Like I, I, it wasn't the worst. Like without a host, it's never going to be great. But it's you know, it was fine. It's quicker without, though, isn't it? That's not the idea. I don't know. There it is. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. It's yeah. I guess there's just more nonsense, though. Like it's just like like you come back from commercial break. They they came back from commercial break. I shit you not. I can't remember the actor's name right now, but the main guy from 1917. Okay, is standing there in one of the mezzanines with the stage in the background, and he's like, "Hey." I'm here to introduce people who are going to then come onto the stage to introduce more people. So without further oh, ado, I saw that. I, I didn't here's see that part. like yeah. Diane Keaton and whoever. Yeah. And then they walk out and, they and then it's somebody. them. Yeah. That's and it's fair. like, we don't need to, we don't, everyone need doesn't need to be we involved. We didn't need him. Yeah. This isn't a participation award where it's like, you know. Hey, you're famous. You want to be on the Oscars for thirty well, seconds? Famous like, even is a bit to... of a liberal. Well, that guy's not yeah. really. I mean, but he not... was more famous than some of the other guys. Maybe he will be. Night, but I guess not but... yet. Yeah. I mean, like he's been in other stuff, but yeah, like it's. I don't know. It, it, it's just weird. It's it, they 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 just they they bring in too many celebrities. I think okay. like at least if you're not gonna have a host, you know, maybe just maybe don't go so far in the other direction where it's like we got to have everyone possible on the show. Okay. You don't need to do that. Just have someone present the awards. That's it. Sure. You know. Um as someone that didn't see the whole thing, mm. who was who was like the coolest appearance that you didn't expect to see? George McKay was the name I was looking for that kid. Uh who was the coolest appearance I didn't expect to see? I would have to say my favorite appearance of the night was Kristen Wiig and, and Maya Rudolph. Okay. Were yeah, hysterical. I, I, eh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell were really good too, though. That's I don't fair. know if you heard about that. I didn't. I, 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 saw that they were there. I didn't like see the context of so what they were doing. They, but. they did something and film editing. I don't remember what the first one was, but the second one was film editing, and they basically had a bit about how like the film editors are the most important person on the movie set because it gets rid of some of the fluff. And Julia Louis Dreyfus made a joke about how, like, she was initially. I can't remember the movie, but I, I feel like she said she was initially in uh, nineteen seventeen. And like, they did a little okay. bit about that. And then Will Ferrell goes, "Yeah," and like, little known fact, like, it was actually supposed to be Ford versus Ferrari versus Ferrell. <laughs> and like, everyone laughs, kind of thing. And they kind of keep talking about it, how like it's taken away yeah. all their hard work, and like, they basically got to a point they're like. 
you know what? Now that I think about it, this award sucks. This is a terrible award, and they're just like bashing the award. It's like, let's get this over with. Like, here are the nominees and the fucking the montage roles. They were hysterical. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I would say those were the two that stood out for me because they did a good job at keeping it light and 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 you know hmm. bringing some comedy to the to thing. Steve Martin and Chris Rock were there too. I saw that. Uh, they opened the show. Yeah. They were good. Uh, biggest surprise though, like for sure, the the one that I was most pumped about hands down was Eminem that was the coolest thing like what wild. what like they're just like yeah you know how he didn't get to accept the award a bunch of years ago or well he chose not to here here's Eminem that was cool like it was random like there was no rhyme or reason to it but I was very down all the songs suck this year so they had to have somebody yeah that's the thing yeah. right like is it just me like are the songs not all like pretty bad other than what I thought should have won, which was Cynthia Revo and Stand Up, which coincidentally was the reason that I ended up losing the predictions to you. Um, but yeah, like, you know? No, I thought that was a good song. Well, okay. I'll start by saying no it's Oscar Beatty, but to Cynthia Revo. Hmm. They were all bad. Those were five I thought that was a good song. Bad but... songs. Yeah. But, in any case, someone had to win, I guess. Um, okay, so... You know, I I I know we had the big uh, the big episode there where we uh, you know brought in Mike Warren and talked about who we thought the Oscar winners would be, and uh, I don't know how many people were placing bets on your boy, but it should be known to the to the mainstream fans of the podcast that maybe didn't listen to the bonus episode who won uh, said bonus episode. Yeah, I just said it was you. Yeah, it was me. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is a bit of an accomplishment for myself as as someone that did not do well last year. I, uh, I'm i here, people. Like, I, I, I matter, too. Mm. I, I know we bring in we bring in Mike Wern, mm. and he's this somewhat quote-unquote expert. Mm, he lost. And uh, He and, was the worst. And your boy, Brutes. You know he's he's always he's always got a comment about a movie. He he, he seems very mm-hmm. informative, and and I and I feel that that some sometimes I get left behind in 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 the sphere of, of of movie knowledge, and in no way does this only work out if I throw a hail mary on the best you know documentary short film. But in any case, um, I, I, I came out on top, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to Yeah, I guess that is the one it. that kind of won you the thing. Oh, yeah. If you think about it. <laughs> That's fucked. Learning to skateboard um, in, what was it? like In Iraq a war zone if you're a girl. As, as a girl, yeah. Learning, learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Um, I would have to say, though, if any, if any category is going to determine the night, like, Documentary shorts, the funniest one, right? Yeah, that's the funniest one, I would think. It's it's that like, that or that or I would say like costume design would be funny sure, too. You sure. know what I mean? If if one of us nailed that and the others or, didn't, or like, like if funny. it's animated when it's like a year where there isn't a Toy Story, right? Like yeah. a film that like comes out of nowhere because it happened to be made in cartoon. But mm-hmm. um, in any case, um. All gloating aside, what what did you think of the winners? What did what did you like? What did you not like? What did uh, what did you think should have been different? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, I'm fine with pretty much everything. Like, I, I, I think it's good. The, uh, the only one I didn't really like... I didn't really find that the Joker score did much for the movie, and I, I didn't. I thought that was kind of a weird, you know, the fact that that won that. And my issue, kind of, I mean, not that the score has like anything directly to do with the with this in a lot of cases, was that I thought one thing that no one's brought up that is kind of problematic about the Joker is the iconic scene with him dancing on the steps, is to a Gary Glitter song. So, why are we rewarding anything musical with huh, this never movie? Noticed. Yeah, he's dancing to that fucking... Da-na-na-na. Hey! Like, that's uh That song... We shouldn't be fucking playing that song in movies or anything. Like, but... Whatever. Like, again, the score doesn't always dictate the soundtrack. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Probably not, because that lady seemed very nice. Um, but whatever. I, I, I still thought it was a weird choice, though. I, I, I'm I going to admit here something uh, to everyone right off sure, the bat. James. We, we did a bonus episode of mm-hmm. the Oscars, as you know. Mm-hmm. You were there. Am oh. I only now realizing that the Marriage Story best score was done by... A one Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Did I not pick that up during the bonus? Yeah, episode? Randy Newman uh, had a big year at the Oscars. Didn't win anything, wow. but uh, good for him. He's a good guy. Seems like a very nice guy. Singing about what he sees. Yeah. Um, best picture, Parasite. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't see it. That was like, that was my big thing. Right? I thought like, it was the third best movie of the year. Uh, okay. But here's the thing, is Parasite is still better than any movie that's won Best Picture in at least three years, I would say. Ooh, interesting. So, yeah, good good for Parasite. Okay. Well, Spotlight won in 2015? Yeah. 2016 was Moonlight? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say Parasite's better than Moonlight. Okay. They're both really good movies, but... What's 2017? Shape of Water. The fish fucking movie. Mm. The one that we reference every week on the podcast. Yes. The, you know, it's it's kind of remarkable when you think about all the tangents that we go off on and on this, on this show. And, like, if you had to do a top ten of, like, what this podcast could be alternatively based on, The Shape of Water is up there. This is kind of an anti-Shape of Water podcast. We've gone off about it a lot. But no, I, I... It's terrible. Rightfully so. It's a terrible movie. Um, Great cast. The only other one that... <laughs> I don't know if I was upset with mm. more so than I was maybe go. a little time for a hot take unsure of mm. was uh, Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't see Judy, so I, I don't want to judge it too hard. I called it, buddy. But I thought it was making a comeback there, and then Best Picture comes out, and I'm like, wait, James and I took the same thing. There's yeah, no, there's no way. There's no outcome there. Um, was that like was was she that good in that film? Very good. Yeah. Because she seemed good. very unsure on stage. <laughs> no, she's she's a weird woman for sure. There's a reason why I don't like Renee Zellweger, James. She's an odd person. Um, I liked her speech though because it was just very, you know. I honestly I liked it because it was the first time in a while where someone just went up there and just talked about movies. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't go up there and give a political statement. I'm just saying I don't really listen to those speeches anymore. Not very often. It's got to be pretty good. Very captivating, you know? I checked right out on Joaquin Phoenix, although 
I'm told it was a good speech. I don't know. I just wasn't really listening. Yeah. I, I'd like okay. to see him make a speech without referencing his brother for once, but uh, it's just me personally. I've never heard him talk about his brother, to be honest with you. Really? But I don't really... Okay. You know, most of my Joaquin Phoenix interview experience is uh, 2009 The Late Show with David Letterman. Okay. Uh, when he's whacked out and has a beard. And... I've, I've never seen Joaquin not mention his brother. Yeah. In 1984, my brother once told me... Great. Like, that was 40 years ago, Brady. Like, mm. it's, it's wow. fine. That's spicy. It's, it's sad, but let's move on, maybe. Wow. Um, Jesus. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to River Phoenix, the guy that died a year after I was born that I never got to appreciate. Anyway, to, to answer your question, <sighs> yeah, Renee Zellweger was, uh, <laughs> yeah, was very she's, good she's in good. a year where Charlize Theron and Saoirse Ronan were also fantastic. Good. So. Um, true or false? Hmm. At this point, because this is where I kind of left. No, no hard feelings. No, no regret against who won necessarily in his place. But uh, true or false, is Quentin Tarantino hmm. gonna go down as the greatest yeah. cinematic person to never win an Oscar? Well, he does technically have one, so it depends what award you want him to win at this point. What, what does he have? He he won Best Original Screenplay. Oh, for Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I can kind of live with that then. I, I know he doesn't have a director like Oscar as a director. I got to be honest with you. I th- I'm starting to get to the point now. I think this year, um, I'm starting to wonder if people just hate Quentin Tarantino and Ooh. he's just not getting votes. Nice. Well, I, um, I got to be honest with you. I thought like through and through he did a better job than Boon Jong Ho, probably. But who is a big Quentin fan? But so, but the issue is that, and that's why Best Director is hard to all, like comment on. Is you don't know for sure. Like, I'm not on the set, but, like, people voting on it don't know for sure either. You don't, like, you can look at the movie as a whole and say that they were the best director, but, like, that's best picture. You have to look at, you know what I mean, how, like, the, everything. Is the acting good? Is the, is the, is everything just produced perfectly? And to me, I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was better than Parasite. Yeah, and, and that's okay, as a whole, right? I like, thought it was the the one I will give it over that that it won over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and for sure, like I, I get it, even though I would have voted the other way, is best original screenplay. Parasite's a pretty brilliant screenplay, um, so it winning that over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, fair, considering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sort of barely has a script, right? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's I'm more just... so the idea of the movie is why I thought that would sure, be, but sure, no, I'm 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 just getting to that point where like you know he he maybe has. By his, you know, standard has one last kick at the can left, and are we gonna be in a world where Quentin Tarantino doesn't win a, an Oscar for best director or good. best film or whatever? One more kick at the can, apparently. Yeah. So, Speaking of him. one last kick at the can, uh, Shea Weber. Oh wow, that um, was an aggressive uh, <laughs> segue. <laughs> Holy he, uh, shit! Yeah. By the way, hockey. Yeah. He's, I mean, people know it's coming by now. Like we always well, talk about something not hockey to start, and then we're there. Yeah, yeah. Welcome uh, to laced up. Uh, Shea Weber, uh, his season likely over, says Nick Kiprios. Um, his future in question. Oh, so Kip Kipper's the guy who broke the news. He's one of, I guess. Um, oh, that could mean anything then. I don't have the exact time stamp, but there's a few guys reporting Shea oh. Weber, um, the same foot that he had surgically repaired in 2018. Um, Probably saw him out at a fucking Menchie's with a walking boot on sure. and Nick Kipper's like... Likely will need another surgery on the same foot. Um, 
this this is kind of big for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, whose season is very much in limbo. Um, uh, a recent surge has them, you know, back in the race. If you want to be, you know, courteous to the to to the season for them. Um, on a bigger scale, however, this may have some huge implications for Nashville. So, uh, Bruce, let's start uh, with what this does for Montreal, uh, the team that he captains currently. Uh, currently sitting seven points out of uh, third place in the Atlantic, uh, eight points out of the wild card behind Philly. Um, they're they've got to be done at this point, right? Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but. Uh, the Hab season without Weber looks pretty vague um, in terms of making the playoffs. Vague? Is that the right way to approach it? Perhaps. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like, in the long term sort of conversation, I don't really know if I want to write Shea Weber off because I wrote him off once before, and uh, he's been having a great season. So, like, I. I, I think I've gotten to the point where I'm gonna just lurk in the shadows until he's done playing and then I'll say he's done you know but um yeah I, I don't really know what what to make of it for sure I mean the 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 problem for the Habs is they're so on the bubble and you know there's clearly suitors for Jeff Petrie and there's clearly conversation that they might deal Jeff Petrie and um without Petrie and Weber uh that is a cesspool of a blue line uh Makes the Jets look strong. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, I mean, the issue is that if he's not coming back, though, like, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle now. And is it really worth fighting that uphill battle? Especially in a division where you're going to play Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto in the first round. Uh, more than likely the, the first name there. And clearly Montreal is a scrappy team. And Montreal's not a team that I really want to completely write off either. But if we're talking just paper to paper, comparing these two teams, like that, that is legit David versus Goliath. So I, I really don't know what to say. Like If Montreal's playing Boston, Boston's better in every single fucking metric. Everything. They're better in every single way. Their goalie's better, their D's better, their forwards are better, power play's better, the penalty kill's better. They're better with the puck. They're better without the puck. Like, everything. So, like, I know we talked about Columbus last year. What the hell is the point of making the playoffs if you're going to get shit kicked? But for Montreal, like, you're not looking to sell more tickets. You're the Montreal Canadiens. To me, they're in a position where this team doesn't look like it's going to necessarily be that much better next year. They need to find a direction. Because to me, they're at a point where the Leafs were at 10 years ago. They're at a point where there's no clear direction. They're just trying to get along the way they are. And it's not going to work forever. And it's not working right now. So, yeah, I, I think they're in a real tough spot without uh, without Shea Weber. And uh, I would sell as, as best yeah. you can right now. At the, at the time of recording, they, they do have the most games played of any team in the East. Yeah. Um, the so, pathet- the pathet- you, you've got 61 points, sure. But you look at the Rangers, who are behind you by one point, and have four games on hand. And then the Buffalo Sabres, who have two games in hand. The Rangers are better on paper, too. The Sabres are better. The Rangers are better. 
Um, you're talking about a company for the Habs where, where you're more likely in the range of like New Jersey, Ottawa than you are the playoffs, at least at this point in the season, at, at, at this time of recording. Um, I, I just, I don't see what, like all, all credit to them. They had a, they had a good surge there. They got themselves kind of back in, in the realm where, yeah, we're, we're a few points out of the wild card here. Like maybe we can, Ilya Klobuchuk's looking really good. Kerry Price has been playing pretty good. But now without Shea Weber, I don't see what, you know, the the benefit is to pushing for a playoff spot at this point. Like, you're, you're going to wind up missing the playoffs by three or four points come April. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at drafting maybe 14th, 15th overall. Where do you stand on Kovalchuk? Because in, there's a lot of people talking... In terms of what, though? You know, like, in terms I, of his career? I, I don't understand. Like people, people talking about how they don't understand how the Habs could possibly let him go. And and I, 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 I get it. But, I mean, we're not talking about... Like, Ilya Kovalchuk's on a good run. For sure. We're not talking about a guy who next year, though, you can put out there for 22, 23 minutes. Expect him to drive a line. Expect him to get 40 goals. Like, I mean, maybe we are. But more than likely we're not. And people are sitting here talking like, I, I can't believe, like, you know, that they're talking about trading this guy right now. And to me, I, I can't believe that you would consider not trading him because the fact of the matter is, is if he continues to go at the rate he's going at, you might get a first round pick for a guy that has found fucking money. Yeah. Absolute found Like, the, the idea of signing a free agent in January... And flipping that guy 45 days later for a second, maybe a first round pick is unheard of. I've never heard of anything like that in the history of the NHL. I can't think of a guy that they that I've ever seen that happen. The Habs might be able to do it. Like, I, 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 I get it. But it's one thing if they don't trade him and they don't re-sign him. That's a, that's a bit of a, you know, I, I get it. He's probably worth re-signing, but people are talking about signing Ilya Kovalchuk for like three years and shit, and like that's it's insane. That's insane to me. He can't skate anymore. He's doing a really good job out there, but like we're not talking about twenty-two-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk here. We're talking about a very good Ilya Kovalchuk. Not great, not at all. Look, let's put it this way: um, we're talking about a guy that's going to be thirty-seven years old by the time the season ends. Yeah. We're talking about a guy that, while good in Montreal, is still far below a point per game in Montreal. And we're talking about a guy that hasn't had a productive season at the NHL level since, what do you want to say, the, the lockout year of 2013, I guess? Yeah, in, it's, in I'd say 2013. 37 games, 31 points. And and that was his last year before he left for Russia. So I'm sorry, 2012 is what I'm thinking. Uh, 2012, yeah, a great great year in 2012. You can make an argument that roughly a point per game in 2013 was was fine for a 29 year old. I I don't get what Habs fans think they have in this guy. It's not even just Habs fans too. It's it's like writers outside the market. Like there there's there's people who aren't even affiliated with the Habs who are who are saying that the Habs should re-sign this guy. Writers from other cities. And this is where, like, I kind of laugh and I and I, I sympathize with Habs fans in a way. 
because it's like other writers do the same shit about the Leafs. Yeah. Like they they push these same stupid fucking narratives. Yeah. Where it's like you know what I mean? Like it's almost like they're trying to get the collective narrative so that way they can sewer this team. And Habs fall victim to it. The Leafs fall victim to it. There are plenty of teams in other sports where the same shit happens. And I'm sitting there listening, and it's not even Habs writers. It's just, that's what makes it pathetic to me, is it's like, you're telling me that Ilya Kovalchuk scores one fucking overtime winner on Saturday night against Toronto Maple Leafs. And all of a sudden, everyone who didn't even watch that game is saying that the Habs should re-sign Kovalchuk for three years. Like, the hockey is such a fucking backwards sport. It, it, it's insane, some of the shit that these these hack writers can get away with. And, and, and have a publication put their shit on the internet. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. The Habs should not sign Ilya Kovalchuk for three years. It's a fucking yeah. bad idea. Yeah. He'd be 40 at the end of that contract. This guy has played under 100 games since he fucking came back from Russia. Here is the only... Give me a break. Here's the only reason you sign Ilya Kovalchuk for three years. Is if it's at league minimum. Yeah, which, that's a good deal. Which Ilya Kovalchuk <laughs> is not going to take after no. putting 12 points in 16 games. To live games in Montreal? For the no. Habs. Not, not expensive city no. to live in, not cheap. Ilya Kovalchuk didn't come to Montreal to give the city of Montreal a benefit and, you know, a bargain. He came here to rack up a shit ton of points and then fuck off. Go to, to Schwartz's find, Deli. To find a $4 million contract in... Maybe see if he can score some where. free tickets to Oshaga this summer. I doubt it. I doubt it. I could see it. I doubt it. You don't think he'd go? He he seems like he'd be an Oshaga guy. He's got a family and shit, but I feel like he, he has some fun on the weekends with here's his a, buddies. Here's a question for you. Hmm. Um, you're Ilya Kovalchuk. Sure. You've just shipped out of Montreal. Hello. I am Ilya Kovalchuk. As fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come back to Oshaga in the summer where a shitload of angry Habs fans are going to be? Oh, no. I meant because he's staying. Oh, he's, oh, well, then sure, I I guess. He's getting a three-year deal, league here's, minimum. Here's, here's point, league minimum and one, free tickets to Oshaga. 2.1 sure. million over, over three yeah, years. Free tickets to Oshaga. Works, works out to about 800k yeah. over three years if, in Montreal. If the Habs don't sign, or sorry, if, if the Habs don't trade this guy before the deadline, fire Mark Bergevin. Mm. I'm sorry. I got good news for you, buddy. I think uh, they're they're going to be way ahead of you on that trend. Like, I, don't, I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, the Habs are going to fire Bergevin this summer. And they replace him with their fucking assistant general manager that's been with his mouth in Bergevin's ears all these years. I don't even know who their assistant general manager is right now. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the Canadians are so the Leafs ten years ago right now. Where it's just like they're not making moves bad enough to completely implode everything. But they're not doing anything to move things forward either. They're st- yeah. They've been standing in the same spot fair. since essentially 2015, but I'm not going to blame all five of those years. Like, you know what I mean? It's been like two or three years now where it's been just stagnant in Montreal. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Do the Montreal Canadiens have more wins at home or away this season? I would imagine away. Yeah, 14 wins away, 13 at home. Do the Montreal Canadiens have more wins in regulation or losses in regulation at home this season? At a, what? In regulation? More wins or losses? Mm. Wins. They have 13 wins, 15 losses in regulation at home this season. 
this is not a playoff team. Mm. And like I'm not I'm not climbing up on some sort of like pedestal to say that my team is and your team isn't. No, no, they are. But the Habs are not. You can have the debate about that team in Ontario another day. The Habs are not even close. So if mm. if you stand pat and you keep Kovalchuk, whether or not you re-sign him, it is not going to work out for that city. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, not to pile on Habs fans here, but I do uh, I do want to uh, make a couple points here. So, uh, as I mentioned, who the um, assistant general manager of the Montreal Canadiens is. Uh, you ready for this one? Mm. Uh, so, they have um, two assistant general managers. One of them is Trevor Timmons, who has been in the organization since uh, 2003. Uh, the other one is Scott Mellenby, who is a uh, former... National Hockey League player. Their director of player personnel is also um, noted French hockey man, um, Martin Lapointe. Mm. A little bit of nepotism going on in that organization. Trevor Timmons, the new general manager of Montreal Canadiens. The Ottawa Senators have won as many games at home in regulation as the Montreal Canadiens. That's kind of fucked. Like, what are we talking about here? They're done. They're over. Don't resend the guy. Trade him for whatever you can get. I don't care if it's a fifth-round pick. Trade him. Get something. Move on. He's 37 fucking years old. It's over. Let's move on. Anyway, Shea Weber. (laughs) Uh, All the best to Shea Weber, because I do like the dude. Sure. But I'm, uh... It doesn't sound great. No. Yeah. Not optimistic. Um... We've got a, another trade to announce, I guess, um, as trade deadline looms nearer and nearer, and um, the NHL GMs slowly take away more and more for us to talk about. Are we even going to have a trade deadline episode at this point? Because at this rate, who knows? Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, roughly eight months later, finally got their guy, Jason Zucker, from the Minnesota Wild, uh, in exchange for uh, a conditional first-round pick, Kalen Addison and Alex Galchenyuk going back to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, The conditions on the first-round pick, uh, if Pittsburgh misses the upcoming playoffs, uh, Pittsburgh has the option then at that point to uh, send their 2021 first round pick to Minnesota in lieu of uh, their 2020 pick. Uh, At the time of recording, Pittsburgh sitting very comfortably in uh, second place in their division, so I I can't see them missing the playoffs at this point. Um, In any case, um, kind of a long time coming for Jason Zucker coming to Pittsburgh. Um, I guess I'll start by asking you first and foremost... Were you surprised that uh, that Zucker went to Pittsburgh after all? Um, after you know, at, at one point, everyone thinking that it was kind of dead in the water for him to come to Pittsburgh from Minnesota. Was this a bit of a shock for him to you know finally get dealt there? Uh, Jim Rutherford pulled the cord on on bringing this guy over. Um, no, 
I'll, I'll say this. I, I, I never count Jim Rutherford out of any sort of a trade that I wouldn't make. So, um, yeah, I, I, I completely makes sense to me. <laughs> um, I will say this about Jason Zucker is I don't know Jason Zucker, uh, as a person. And, uh, so I, I, I could be very wrong here in saying that he's completely right to have been pissed about, uh, the way that the Minnesota Wild handled everything last year. Good on him for showing up this year. Cause I, I said it at the beginning of the year. I said it last summer. I don't know if I would have come to work this year if I were him, uh, which would have created other problems and probably contributed to why he did show up. But yeah, the, incredibly mishandled by all credit to Bill Guerin, the former regime. It's not Bill Guerin's fault, but it is an organization where I would have been in a hurry to get out of there if I were him based on the way that uh, he had been treated for I mean let's 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 be honest his entire career there because other than signing him to this contract he's been jerked around since day one the guy was putting up uh you know the best like numbers per 60 at out of any guy in the league and the wild were going out there and playing him 10 and a half minutes a night and it, it was just ridiculous the guy couldn't get ice time he couldn't get any respect he could barely find a way to get paid finally gets paid then they're like, oh yeah, you know, by the way, that contract we gave you, yeah, we're trying to find someone to take you. We don't, we don't like you. What? Uh, it's pathetic to me. And uh, good on Jason Zucker. I wish him nothing but the best in Pittsburgh. A, a horrendous amount to give up, I think, for what you get for Jason Zucker. But this is the reality, and I understand it, is that the peng- the Penguins are in a spot that they didn't think they would be in this year. Or maybe Jimmy Rutherford thought they would be there. But to think that they would be where they are now, coming into the year, is naive. I, I don't care what anyone says. It's naive. They're there, and good on them. But the issue for me is that, you know, the Penguins now see that their window's open this year. It's very open. They definitely have a shot at winning a Stanley Cup this year, I would say. Uh, and I can't believe I'm saying that. They need to do everything they can to ensure that they get that Stanley Cup. Because the issue is that, not necessarily this year, but they need to make sure that they're in the hunt for the next few years. Because when Crosby's gone, when Malkin's gone, when Latang's gone, and not even when they're gone, when they start to decline, it gets really ugly really quick in Pittsburgh. The, the cupboards are not stocked. They have... Maybe three or four good prospects. One of them's now in the Wild organization because of this trade. They had a first round pick that's gone now. Maybe. You know, either way it's gone. It's just a matter of when. Right? So, no matter what, they've moved assets out. It's just, I don't think Zucker's the kind of player to justify giving up what they're giving up. But, the Penguins are in a spot where this is one of the best forwards they can get this year. And they need to make a move now. Because if they don't make a move, if they have a first round exit this year, who says, like, or like, who who knows for sure that they're even any good next year? The Penguins are legitimately in a spot where it's, they kind of have to take everything month by month right now. Because the way they're playing is well above where they, in all honesty, should be playing. And good on them. I, I'm honestly rooting for them. But... I think it's a horrendous price to pay 
I get that they're in demand, but it's a lot. It's a lot for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start by saying like the, the, the price that they gave up for Zucker, I don't know if it's as bad as people think it is. We're talking about a first-round pick that, at best, is going to be 25th overall. Let's be realistic here. Like, Well, the, the Penguins aren't finishing. I should clarify. I'm not even worried about the first or Galchenyuk. I think Kalen Addison is too good of a prospect to trade. For just about anything. Okay. And they traded him for a guy that I look at as a middle six winger. Okay. But the key thing is, Zucker's the type of player I think that could swing with Crosby pretty well. Right. Even though he's and, not incredible. And that's incredible. what you're banking on, right? Like, like Kalen Addison, yes, he's he's a good prospect. He's also 19 years old. So, let's, let's say, best case scenario, next season, he's an NHL player. There's no guarantee that Crosby and Malkin are still Crosby. And I know this is insane to say, but that window might be closed. You're talking about a guy that coming into a, a rookie season at 20 years old on defense for the Penguins is supposed to help, you know, lead this team to a championship. You're going to need a lot more than Kalen Addison next season if Crosby and if Malkin are still producing well, at the level I mean, that, they're but expected that's, to. That's more or less what I'm getting at, though, is just like, if you look at the trade in terms of value for value, there's no question it's a hor- horrendous trade. It's just like, you have to look at the organizational needs at this point. Exactly. Which I understand the Penguins think that the window's open, and that Addison maybe was not going to be... Like, like realistically, here's probably what was going to happen with Addison. Best case scenario, he snaps steps in next year at 20. And is, you know, what Rasmus Sandin is for the Leafs right now. Is what Kale McCarr has been for the Avalanche right now. That's best case scenario. More than likely though, based on the law of averages, he steps in and is a bottom pairing defenseman. Or doesn't even step in next year. Maybe is a year away. And by the time he is where he's probably going to get in a couple years. There's a good chance that Crosby and Malkin suck by then. There's it's a good insane chance. to say, but you're no, right. Like it's no, a, yeah. it's a good chance. I'm not betting on it. I'm betting they've got many years left, to be honest. But based on how players what age, data tells yep. us, yep. they're probably going to suck in a couple years. That's just the reality. So I get it. It's the, the the thing is, is like by the time if everything goes the way that history's taught us, by the time the Penguins are in a spot to compete with Kalen Addison on the roster, he's left uh, in free agency. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like, or, or, so, he, or he's the only guy back there they have. In reality, I get yeah. it. Like, it's an asset they might fucking lose. It's just like to think of the idea of trading a prospect that good in a first round pick and a guy in Galchenyuk, where if if he plays where he can, I'm starting to think that maybe he's never going to get there. Uh, is actually probably better than Zucker. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just when you look at it that way, it just sounds hilarious. Um, so. It kind of goes back to what people, the way a lot of people analyzed um, the Hall for Larson trade, the Weber for Subban trade, which both of which are kind of funny to laugh at now. But you have to remember at the time, like, you just have to look at everything objectively. The Penguins made a bad trade that they needed to make. That's the way I see it. They needed to make this trade, and it's a bad trade. 
but in reality, it's a good trade because it fills their needs. Sure. Yeah. For me, for me, they triggered a, a, a late first round pick and a defensive prospect that they probably weren't going to use for Jason Zucker, a guy that is on pace for his second most productive season in his career, a guy that is going to help their top six immensely given the circumstances in that market. And and the way that Sidney Crosby produces with guys like Chris Kunitz and, you know, Brian Rust, we might be talking about Jason Zucker as a 40-goal scorer next year, for all we know. Like, this could work out extremely well for the Penguins next season. Right now, it looks a little murky, but I, I, I see a lot of... I see a lot of why Jim Rutherford made the trade, more so than I see yeah. a negative impact for the Penguins. I will say, too, like, the thing with me is, like, I like Zucker. I think he's a good player. Zucker is a player who somewhat drives nerds nuts because it's kind of hard to interpret his numbers a little bit. His underlying numbers kind of tell you a lot of different things. I think he's good, though. I think he's a good player, but how good is, you know what I mean, like, like, I, I think his career high, what, is maybe 34 goals, something like that. 33, there it is. Um, and I, I just, I I think he caps out at that number, which is still a good number. But, you know what I mean? I don't know if he's a player who can drive his own line. And I don't see him as anyone who could get more than 35 goals, probably. Right. So No, for sure. That's interesting. Um, what do you think of the Penguins? Do you think they're for real? I do. It's hard to bet against them. No, I do. Um, I I look at what they've been able to do this season, especially given the you know given the injuries. Like, and unless Malkin and Crosby both break their you know fibulas tomorrow, I I don't see a way that you can count this team out because on on paper I get it they're not that great. As, as an offensive unit they're not they're not set up well there's not a lot of depth there they're probably in the same conversation as the Oilers when it comes to the makeup of their offensive you know breakdown but you've got Sidney Crosby and you've got Evgeny Malkin and apparently you've got Tristan Jari in that and Chris Letang and and you've got these guys that have been there and how they've do, done that you, how dare you move on without mentioning John Marino and, and and they've won. And you no, know, you're right. Like if, if Tristan Jerry falls out tomorrow and, and he's a backup goalie again, you're you're going to a guy in Matt Murray who won two Stanley Cups. There's no reason to panic in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the type of team that should be trading away their first round draft pick. If they weren't trading well, away their first round draft pick, I'd be worried. Well there there is reason to panic in Pittsburgh, but they've proven those reasons don't matter sure. right now. Right. There definitely is reason. This no. is still a horrible team on paper. Right. But you know what I mean? Like there 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 is a small no, handful of teams. And I said this last year with the Leafs. I said, This is the year Cal Dubas trades trades away a first round pick. And he did. And he went out and got Jake Muzzin, who is the best Leaf defenseman that we've had in quite some time. Yeah. There are a handful of teams any given season that should be trading away their first-round pick. And Pittsburgh is one of them. Yeah. And they should have done it last year. And they probably should have done it the year before, which I think they did for Derek Broussard. But Pittsburgh Pittsburgh should be trading away their first-round draft pick every fucking season until Crosby retires. I'm sorry. 
I understand that there's going to be a well, lull this point, yeah. of productivity, but that was the lull of productivity that Pittsburgh experienced when the Yager and Lemieux era ended, and you sucked for a while. And then guess what? You got Crosby well, and Malkin and Fleury, and then you were great again. So this this is how the no, ebb and flow you're, you're of hockey right. works. Like, there, there is a way to transition between eras. We've seen teams do it. The issue is that the Penguins have been so far past that for years. Basically, no once, once yeah. Derek Pouliot didn't turn out like right. that, they they're so far in that it doesn't matter. Like you know what I yeah. mean? What's keeping a first round pick going to yeah. do for you for the next couple of years? But you're going to draft two. You're going to draft two players to replace Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. Well, guess what? The rest of your roster already sucks. So unless you're drafting other guys deeper, like you know what I mean? Like you hope for the best from your scouts right now, and that's it. Like that's all you can do. Yeah. Like you go back in the last ten years. And there's one team that hasn't sucked. And it's probably Boston. Maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe. But everybody else has had their moments where... You know, to, to, to be consistent... Boston's, Boston's a team, I would say, has has transitioned. Exactly. You know what I mean? Could be, but it's if, rare. If you ask me 10 years ago what the identity of that team is, it's Tim Thomas, it's Milan Lucic. Mark Savard. It's Chara. It's Mark Savard. Nathan Horton. Uh, Bergeron, for sure. But... Marshawn was a fourth liner. Maybe even Tyler you know? Sagan. <sighs> yeah. And right? so, you know, this is a team where now it's it's Bergeron, it's Marshawn, it, it's Pasternak, it's it's Krug, it's McAvoy, Rask. Like, yeah. it's a completely different team. You know, even Coyle, DeBrusque, like, you know, it's a different crew. Um, so we've, te- we've seen teams, you know, transition without it being ugly, ugly. Um, but... Yeah. Even the it's, Rangers are a team I would argue is kind of doing it right now. Right, but they've they've definitely had their their fall off yeah. the, the pedestal kind Tampa, of thing. Tampa, I guess too. But like you know, it's sure it, yeah. it's just difficult. And, it's and not, Pittsburgh, it's not easy. But Pittsburgh's so far from they that missed conversation the boat. anyway. Yeah, it's you're yeah. you're all all in at this point. You've you've got your five cards. You're either winning with a full house or you're losing with a mm. ace high. Like mm. you got to go for it. This is rounders. It. Yeah. Big Rounders guy. In any case, I, I honestly I hope this works out because like I'm right there with you. I love Zucker. I wish him the best. Mm-hmm. Like let's get this fucking guy a cup before like his time is over. Like let, let's go here. Like I, I love yeah. him. Uh, I thought the deal should have been done last summer with with Kessel, and and given everything that happened with Kessel with him being traded mm-hmm. in the end, I was disappointed that you know Zucker couldn't be a part of that. Yeah. It is ironic to think that Kessel was dealt for Galchenik, who then in turn yeah. was dealt for Zucker. But whatever, like we're here now. Let's go. Like I, I, I want this guy to succeed. I want him to do well. Yeah. If it's not in Pittsburgh, whatever. Like let's. Well, I hope this is a learning curve for him, and he can take whatever he gets out of Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin, and and take it elsewhere. And Zucker, yeah, Zucker certainly seems like a good guy. I wish him the best. Um... It's a big opportunity for him in Pittsburgh here now. He's 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 swimming with the big fish. And speaking of swimming with big fish, uh, this week's sponsor is Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting. Uh, <laughs> located in Wawa, Ontario, uh, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. Uh, they have 18 remote outpost camps that help keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Uh, fish, James, you care to take a stab at it this week? Uh, pickerel. Yep. Um, oh, he's been studying. Lake trout. 
Okay. Um, yeah. That's pretty good. Walleye. That's a pickerel. Pickerel. Pike trout. Two for two. No. <laughs> Um, I, I have to assure you that there are no mutant fishes there. Pike S- trout. Sea bass? No. Uh, brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, pickerel, walleye is what we were looking for sure. there. So, yeah. There's got to be more than five fish in that fucking lake. Well, that's actually four fish. But, yeah, I'm sure there's... It, it, it's just an example of what, like, the main sort of... You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the cream of the crop there. That's what we're talking about. I'm sure you find a bass or whatever in the in the you know. Yeah, I hope you know. Yeah, maybe a freshwater salmon. Uh, probably not. Um, Airedale is closed for the season right now because you know it's it's February 13th, but um, they are going to be opening up back uh, again soon. It would be a good idea to start looking into planning your vacation. It's good for a bachelor party, boys' weekend, uh, even a family getaway. So uh, yeah. It's a very unique opportunity. Uh, go to www.outpostcamps.com for more information and begin planning your trip to Airedale today. Beautiful. Hmm. Um, some sad news, some tough news. Jay Bowmeister. Hmm. Um, game against the Anaheim Ducks postponed as a result of a uh, cardiac event that took place on the St. Louis Blues bench. Uh, very quickly into the first period of play against uh, uh, against Anaheim that night, um, he seems to be doing well. Um, all signs seem to indicate that he's going to be okay. But a- a- another reminder that this is, you know, a, a very human element of the game. Um, these guys are are people. At the end of the day, they go home, they have families, and. Um, a very scary incident, uh, not to be underestimated or you know misunderstood in any way. I, uh, I, I I'll admit I was I was preoccupied last night. I was I was in a, a class at the time when the news broke. I didn't really get the full impact of it as it was happening. Um, what, what were your takes? Like I, I'm assuming I know you were you know as well kind of busy at the time, but yeah, as you saw the news coming in, there must have been a reaction. Um, well, and I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me, and, and it's it's obviously not the most, like, it's not even important. It's not a nearly important thought to have. But the first thought I had is, I have never seen a name of Jay Bowmeister's magnitude have an issue like this in terms of hockey. Like, it's not to, to down-talk some of the sure. other guys that have had this happen, but... Jay Meester's a guy who, I he's not. I don't think he's going to get there, but he's a legitimate guy. You could have a Hall of Fame conversation around. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Um, you know, he's a World Junior legend, uh, a former first round, third overall pick. Like, and this guy has just a consummate professional that everywhere he's ever played. Uh, I've got a lot of time for Joe, Jay Bowmeister. i got to be honest with you. I've always liked Jay Bowmeister. Um, I think he is a perfect defenseman, uh, especially when he was in his prime. The way he skates, the way he thinks the game, he is perfect. He is a coach's dream. Um, but the most important thing with Jay Bowmeister is he's always come across as a really good guy. 
you know, he, he's always been very honest with the media. He's always been, he gives them a lot of time. Um, I like him, and, and he genuinely seems like a very good guy. So to see this happen, you know, certainly he's got a competitive edge to him. And, you know, I, I know this isn't the way that he would want his career to end, and, and it is one of those things I I do expect to see J. Bo Meester back on the ice. I hope I see J. Bo, Meester, Bo Meester back on the ice. Um, but who's to say? Because it's a it's obviously a very serious thing, and I, I'm hoping that the cards aren't completely stacked against him on this one. Yeah. Very scary when you take into consideration that uh, uh, Defibrillator was had to be brought out to revive him. Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, e- either it's, it's a little murky either either in the arena or on the way to the hospital. In any case, it was it was necessary, and also this this happened on the dad's trip. This was night yeah. one of the dad's trip, and as as a younger guy that you know, like I don't have I don't have kids. I'm a, like I'll be honest with everyone at home here. Like really? I, I have no idea what that would be like, but. There, there's a bit of, there's a bit of. I'm, I'm glad you know his dad was there to be with him, but at the same time, like, that has got to be that much more difficult for the Bowmeister family, just in yeah. you know to, to witness that live. Well, and I, you know, you know what's it's interesting about this is is it's it's kind of like the dads. I've always liked the idea of the dads, the moms trip, things like that. I think it's really cool that they do that because, you know, this is kind of the last opportunity where it's going to feel like you guys are on a hockey tournament, you know, uh, families are just hanging out and, and I think it's great. I, I think it, it takes everything that a lot of like parents really enjoyed when, when their kid was playing minor hockey and it, and it kind of brings that feeling back together. I think it's really neat that they do yeah. that. Um, and we've been there, you and I, not as parents, but you know, we've been there as you know, coaches on, on these trips where something serious happens to a kid and it, and it does, you know, sort of put a black cloud over over the trip. But the, at the end of the day, you know, the, the important thing is that everyone's okay and, and everyone kind of, you know, works together, I think, all weekend to just kind of try to move past it as best you can. And, and I think that that's probably where the Blues are at right now is the thoughts are with them. But you know, you got to find a way to get through it, and and basically what I'm saying is, is I think that the fact that they're all together right now is is you know important because I think that that helps, uh, especially on a road trip. I think it's helpful that you know everyone's got their dad there or 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 some sort of a parental figure um, with them on the trip. I I think it helps sort of you know deal with it because it, it can't be easy as a teammate. Yeah, it, it can't be easy. No, definitely. Big shout out to the uh, medical crew in Anaheim that night. Uh, the quick response. Yeah, I was cu- I was curious. So they were talking about um, Jay Barile, I believe his name is uh, the the Burrell? Ray 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 Burrell? Yeah, something like that. Um, I should look it up right now. Uh, but this is the second incident he's had. So who 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 did he deal with before? Do you know? Um, because I never saw that. But this is the second incident. At, I think they said at the NHL level, so he was probably either uh, Rich Peverly or something like I was that. Say, didn't before. Chris Pronger have an, an episode? I don't think so. No, I, I, I believe there's only been a handful of them, and I feel like I'm aware of all of them. But no matter what, I don't know. I'm sure I can find it here. But uh, it's Ray Bear Isle, by the way. Um, unbelievable, though, man. Like that's that's 
you got to be thankful too, and that it's something I was going to mention too. Is going back to talking about minor hockey, talking about you know, if something like this were to happen in a minor hockey rink, like I don't know how quickly the response is. You know what I mean? Because the Blues and the NHL, not that they're fortunate that this happened, but they're fortunate that you know, there's medical staff, there's guys like Ray Bear Isle nearby, you know, to, to make sure that the response is quick enough to make sure everything goes smoothly and to, and to give them the best opportunity to recover and things like that. Um, it's just, it, it is, I guess, a, a good news in that sense. Yeah. Um, Chris Pronger did have an episode, but it, it was a while ago. I'm not sure how long the medical staff has been with St. Louis. Um, Mm, yeah, no, I'm reading it here. It, it was Pronger, was the last guy. Yeah. I, I don't remember that. That's crazy. In any case, it's, you know, like, we're getting to a point now where... Oh, uh, right. it was 90s, so it would have been a little before I would have been aware of it anyway. Yeah. No, you're right, though. Like, you know, Peverly and Fisher and, and now Bo Meester, and, and and this is something that's becoming not common, but to the point where you, you see it every few years, and you don't want to become blind to it in any way i don't know if we ever could like like no matter what every time this happens this is it's it's wild to me that that can even happen you know what i mean i get it i understand that you know these guys are are pushing their bodies to the absolute fucking limit and sometimes their body uh is not gonna be down but um yeah i'm the main thing i hope with with bow meester is um is that it's something simple and not something, you know what I mean, an underlying issue uh, yeah, just of a, some kind just that's going to be... a play, perhaps, yeah, or, you yeah, know, know. Even if he's got something, even something like an irregular heartbeat that's, you know, um, common and, and treatable. And um, But who's to say? I, I don't know. Uh, there's very little detail about it at, the, at this point, but... Um, I'm hoping the best for him. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think we both are. Our, our hearts go to him and uh, a speedy recovery. Uh, hope to see him back, um, competing. Former Stanley Cup champion Jay Bobmeister. It'd be nice to see him chase a second one. You know, like the, the Blues are having a great season. Like let's let's not uh, let's not take any other thing away from that. And and I hope he's back and and can contribute in the playoffs. And and uh, we'll see how his season plays out, if at all. I, I should mention too, and I. Uh... I will probably be doing this tomorrow. But we've mentioned on the podcast I'm a fan of former National Hockey League and AHL goaltender Mike McKenna, who now is retired. He's an analyst for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And actually, I hadn't planned bringing this up, but I don't know if you saw, Mike McKenna right now is the backup goaltender for, or is the emergency backup for the Vegas Golden Knights. And so, even though he's a member of the media, he's been practicing with the Golden Knights a bit this year. Yesterday, he went to the media scrum in his goaltending equipment and was asking questions, and it was fucking hilarious. But anyway, uh, Mike McKenna now has his own podcast, as does everyone who's ever played a hockey game, uh, including myself and James. Um, Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, because the joke is that, you know, he's played with everyone. Like, he's, you know what I mean? Like, Mike McKenna's played with everybody. Uh in the summer, he had Ray Barile on the podcast, and I'm assuming discussed the Pronger incident. Uh, so I'm just learning about this now. I'm probably going to give that a listen, but I'm plugging something that I haven't listened to. Uh, wow. But I'm I'm going to give it a listen because the um, 
I think Ray deserves it. He's he's clearly very valuable at what he does. I sure hope the content of that podcast is uh, listener friendly. Uh, after, well, I mean, after this one isn't. So what it. the hell's the difference? It, it couldn't be any worse than us. That's fair. Could it? Uh, you hope. We'll see. On to some more positive news, I suppose. Um, Paul Maurice back, uh, multi-year extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, not really surprising, I, I suppose. Like I think we. While hearing the rumors that he might get fired, I don't know if anyone really bought into it too seriously. No, I don't know. Like uh, the thing with Paul Maurice right now is a lot of people, a lot of people need to learn how to really, like I I I reference analytics a lot. I get it, but people need to learn how to reference these tools and understand that, like you know, just because analytics say something is bad doesn't mean that it is bad. Just because they say something is good doesn't mean it is good. Like for example. Uh, Brennan Gallagher is probably going to lead the league in Corsi percentage again for the second straight year this year. Eh, he, he's not he's not fucking Wayne Gretzky out there, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Corsi is only one tool. It only teaches you one thing. And just because Brennan Gallagher is the best two years in a row doesn't mean he's the best possession player in the league. Doesn't mean that. He might. His team might play without the puck mm-hmm. more than they play with it. It's just one tool, right? Um... So, well, what, what were you going to say about it? I was just going to point out, like, like it, it, it is a little odd to see a coach get an extension from his boss in a season that may be the worst he's had as the coach. Like, and, and that's, that's kind of what I was getting at, is, like, the Jets clearly are not a very good possession team right now. But what a lot of people are reading into is that that's a Paul Maurice problem. Right. And to me, that their defense is quite pathetic. Their forward depth is probably worse than their defense depth is. Mm-hmm. And that's something people don't really talk about quite as often. You know, they Mark Letestu go down with a major injury at the beginning of the year. He's out for the season. Brian Little's been in and out of the in and out of the injured reserve. Like, you know, they're doing the best they can. And here's where I find Paul Maurice so valuable is because he's changed his approach, he's changed the way he coaches. I don't think that there's any other coach, possibly in the NHL, where that team is doing as well as they are. And the reason I say that is because I think Paul Maurice is doing such a good job at coaching these guys as people uh, that it's very valuable in the times where they don't have that good of a roster, the spirits are up. Everybody's positive. Everybody's coming to the work every, or rink to the every day, as far as we know, in very good spirits, willing to work, willing to dig deep. And Paul Maurice is getting the most out of what he can. I think he's doing a fantastic job with this team. Um, he definitely is in the coach of the year conversation to me, and I, I think people that want him fired, it, it's ridiculous. Like, like I don't know, you know. I saw an argument on Twitter today, someone being like, well, he plays Kulikov 22 minutes a night. And it's like, yeah, I would have bought Kulikov out this summer. But it's a good thing they didn't, because he's the closest fucking thing they have to an NHL defenseman other than Josh Morrissey. You know? Yeah. Like, you got to play him 22 minutes. Who the fuck else are you supposed to put out there? Are you supposed to play all these bad defensemen 20 minutes on the dot evenly all night? No. It's not possible. I hope not. He's doing. He's doing the best he can. Uh, all credit to him because I think uh, I, I think he's doing a lot better of a job than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, and and this is kind of the theme of the season. Like you look at 
at where Winnipeg is in the standings. And you go, okay, like they're out of the playoffs as it stands, and they're extending their coach. But five teams that are in a playoff spot have, you know, moved on from a coach this season. Mm -hmm. And the the prevailing theme here has always been like, eventually, like every every coach, and, and Scotty Bowman said this perfectly, every coach is hired to be fired. Yeah. Right? And everybody will eventually, we're like, we're out there welcome, and, and very rarely do you have the, the moment of Scotty Bowman putting the skates on, skating the, top, uh, the skating the cup around, and, and retiring. It doesn't happen very often. Um, we've seen guys like Quenville be fired. We've now seen guys like Babcock be fired. Like, this is not a safe job environment as no. far as, you know, jobs go. You're, you may as well get a job in the scouting department and punch numbers behind the scenes. And if, if you want stability... Do that. Don't be a head coach in NHL. But the idea that Paul Maurice is, you know, deserving of being fired is asinine. Like he's done as good of a job as anybody could do given the circumstances. He's a guy that's been there for, you know, almost the entire inception of this version of the franchise has been. He's a guy that's loved by the fans. He's loved by the players. Management seems to love him enough. At he's least, loved at by least the players. To give, yeah. You know, an extension to him. He's he's got to be what the the second or third longest tenured coach at this point in the league. Within the organization, he's loved. He's loved by the ownership. Right. The players seem to clearly like him. Um, you know, I I think it's only in really extreme situations where you need to worry about what the fans think. And Winnipeg is not a team right now that needs to worry too much. I don't about think so. The, no. the the Jets have. And I mean, this could be a bias here. I'll, I'll I'll mention that right away because I I spend time in that rink every year. They have genuinely like probably the most loyal fan base in hockey. Even when that team's doing bad, people are still just genuinely happy that they have they have the Jets. They're just happy the team's there because they people are patient. They waited fucking sixteen years to get their team back. They got ripped away from them. You know, they're willing to deal with a couple bad seasons because like you know they're still going to win some games some nights they're still going to score some goals there's still going to be some good moments moments that they wouldn't have had otherwise right so basically what i'm saying is is even the most impatient jets fans i think are kind of like eh, whatever well and like i i agree to a sense but i even look at last season if this was happening last season sure well, for sure i can kind of see why you might fire paul maurice mm-hmm. but then you've got Bufflin and Myers and Truba and Sherratt all leave in the same offseason. And what are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, I, I think even... the fans understand how hockey works. They're a little less irrational than some markets. Big time. And I'm, I'm glad that this hasn't become more of a you know fiasco than it needs to be. So. Yeah. yeah. Paul Maurice. Uh, what was it two years extension? I think so, yeah. Yeah, two years? Good. Yeah, I'm done. All right. Um, Before we get into our next subject, because I think it's a quick one, I just want to ask you, uh, kind of off the cuff here, because it's been the the topic of discussion around the NHL lately, Mm. where where do you come down, real quick, yes or no, uh, is, is Ovechkin breaking this Gretzky record? Let's put it in front of me here. You do some math. Um, do I? Do I? I don't. I don't know. Like, here's the thing. It's. 
I think yes, and sometimes I think no, and you know, like he's he's almost at seven hundred goals. Six ninety eight. You know I what I mean? Like he's at six ninety eight. So I don't know. I hope so. Do you want him to? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I do. And and the the part that scares the living shit out of me is the idea of him getting like eight seventy four. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or even closer. Like, can you imagine he gets like 885 and he just blows his knee out? He just can't get up and down the ice anymore at an NHL level. Like, he's like 40 fucking years old by then. Like, I don't know. I I, want to say yes. The good news for Ovechkin is he scores a very large portion of his goals uh, standing still in the middle of a fucking circle, banging pucks as hard as he can. So... I mean, as long as he, in theory, like, keeps his arms strong, he should be able to do that. <laughs> the issue is, is he going to become You'd too hope. slow to be uh, on yeah. the power play anymore, which would be kind of concerning. I, I, to me, I don't know how you get too slow to be in the power play. Just sit the line and, you know, get across the line. I, I think he will break it. I think he'll break it at an age where everyone's going to say, like, yeah, if Gretzky would have played until he was 45, well... That's not really the point here at the end of the day, right? But I, I think at the end of the day, the numbers are going to stand. Yeah, if, Gretz, if Gretzky would have played till he was 45, he would have got um, 914 goals instead exactly. of 894. Yeah. Like, he was done. Yeah. He was done. Like, now, even without the injury, it was over. Yeah. No now, one was scoring anyway. I, I don't know if you listened to the uh, Puck Soup uh, most recent podcast, but there was the suggestion that in you know a, a, a planet aligning perfect scenario we could be looking at a guy that hits a thousand goals mm-hmm. yeah first time ever uh, is that out of the realm of possibility I think it is thousands too I, much I, I think that's too much but um, it would be cool. You know, I'm I, I like I'm very excited for this alternate universe in which uh, Dallas Stars left winger Alexander Ovechkin scores goal number thousand. So good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I honestly I th- I think the only way that this would be like perfect for me though is if he doesn't do it as a member of the Washington Capitals. It'd be the funniest thing if he does it as like a gets to a Detroit Red Wing and then like yeah yeah. <laughs> Goes to play wing with Alexis Lafreniere. Not, in not even, and... if he stays in the same division, that'd be perfect. Like Columbus Blue Jacket Ooh. left winger Pierre Luc Dubois setting up Alex Ovechkin for goal number a thousand. Sign Let's me do up. It. Let's See go. Columbus Blue Jacket forward Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, that's, that was the thing. Hey, like no one saw Gretzky beating uh, Howe's record in a Kings jersey either. Mm. So yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. That's icky. Um, uh, for the record, it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when for me. Thousand or or the record? The the record. What do you think on a thousand? That's, not quite. That's not the, quite. Yeah, like like here's the thing. He'll get in shooting distance. Here's but. the thing: is if you're someone who thinks he's gonna break it with like you know what I mean for sure he's gonna break it, then I think thousands part of the conversation. I'm sitting here telling you that I don't even know if he's got 150 goals left in him, and you know what I mean. You're asking me about a thousand. Like I think a thousand's fucked. I think best case scenario he breaks it and he's gonna break it by about. 10 to 25. 908. Uh, I, I 908. Don't, I don't think it's going to be much. He'll be the first player to 900. He'll get 908, and that'll be it. That'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Just retires at 888. He's the number that I wanted. 
There you go. 888, I mean, yeah. sorry. 888. Yeah. I, I could be it, but I, I've, I, Russian machine is done. So. Um, Who cares? Some detrimental news in the, in the NHL. Connor McDavid uh, out two to three weeks for the Edmonton Oilers with a left quad injury. We talked about this all season long. Like, let's go back to September here. We've been talking about this guy if, when, how... Mm-hmm. He gets hurt. Uh, that, that the Oilers are done. Where are we? Uh, Is this it? I'm not doubling down. I'm not tripling down. I think I'm at this point. I got to be at least six tuppling down on my take. They're missing the fucking playoffs, man. <laughs> I told you. I knew. I knew. I know they'll find a way to lo- to do it. I know they will. I know it. They're going to miss the playoffs. They have the benefit of playing in the Pacific Division. They're going to find a way. Which they do have an eight-point lead up on missing the playoffs. Mm. Um, Eight points, four games, um, a game in hand. Let's call it ten. Let's let's call it ten points. I got good good news for you, James. Um, Minnesota won tonight, so they are six points. Minnesota's also in the Central. Um, yeah, they'll miss as a wild card. <laughs> in any case, um, have they banked enough? This is what we talked about no. earlier. Like, they had a hot, hot start. No. I think they have. I think they've banked enough points. Chicago's not going to catch them. I mean, here, here's the thing. The Oilers have a unique... Chicago oppor- also in the Central. The Oilers have a unique opportunity here. If they're legit then everyone else should be able to step up and, and relatively get it done. You know, I don't think anyone's expecting them to go 8-10 and 10 here without Connor. Um, but, you know, if they say he misses 8-9 games, and let's say 9, and they can go, you know, 5-3-1 or 6-2-1, and one, then that's pretty good. I'm willing to bet, though, that they're, <laughs> they're going to be a little closer to 2-5-1. And... One. and I think that that puts them right back in the thick of that fucking playoff race. And if McDavid ain't 100% coming back, if he ain't 80% coming back, they're yeah. fucked. Yeah. They're fucked. They have a huge stretch coming up. They uh, play two games in Florida uh, coming up. Uh, go, Tampa, go Oilers. Tampa and then uh, Panthers. They got the Hurricanes after that. And then they go uh, back home to face the Bruins. Um, after that, not a bad stretch. They got the Wild the Ducks. The yeah, games. but I mean, by that point, the, the Wild be might be fucking trying to pass them in the Wild Card race. <laughs> like, you know thing. what I mean? Like that could be, end up being a huge game for the yeah. Wild, depending how things go. So well, overall, they have a pretty easy stretch the way the rest of the way through the season. But you're right this this next four game segment could really um, take them out. They they got to bank on some you know. I think uh, bonus points, some 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 overtime, some shootout magic, and then... Uh, I mean, that's the thing, too, right? Like, you say easy, but, like, how easy is easy if, if the team's actually bad? And you know what I mean? Like, they, they kind of come back down to earth, right? Like, yeah. they still have to play the Golden Knights three times this year. Sure. The Golden Knights should be getting their shit together anytime soon or anytime so, here now. They kind of are. Does, so, does that then, you know, expedite maybe the trade deadline for uh, Ken Holland then uh, are we looking at a situation where he's he's bringing some help in now as opposed to you know 2 weeks well, from now 
no matter what, he should be bringing in help. Because, <laughs> like, he's, he's going to lose the best fucking player to ever play the game uh, in about 18 months if, if, if he doesn't do something for him soon. So, he should be bringing in help. Right. A little bit of it. Because he, here's the funny thing with the Oilers, right? He's talking about trading futures away to get some help. They don't really have the stock cupboards either. There's you, not you, a lot kicking around I, there. Like, I agree, but like, I'll, I'll say this. You've got, and I, I know it's dwindling by the day, but you've got the Jesse Pujarvi card in your back pocket still. Yeah, they've they got to play that card real soon, too. Yeah. And uh, I hate to break it to you. I'm going to say it. Might be time to look into Yamamoto, too. Like, I'm not really buying that kid very much either. So, you know, like, they got they got a player in Ethan Bear. You know, Bouchard looks like he's probably still going to turn out to be a good player. It's it's hard to say yet. But, um, you know, the, the blue line actually looks like there might be some, a little bit of help there. But in terms of forward prospects, I don't know. You got Can, Tyler Benson playing three minutes a night. That should be good for his I, development. I, and I don't mean to undermine you, but, like, what, what don't you see in... in- Point per game player Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, we'll see. Okay. No, I'm just curious. He's yeah. looked really good in his his brief call up. Is all so. Yeah. I, I just I think brief call up. No no and definitely like don't get me wrong I'm not saying that he's the answer but I haven't seen anything to say that he's been bad is all. Um. In any case, uh, I think most teams would be happy to say that oh we're gonna fall back on. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, at least to some degree. Um, so we'll see if he can keep the ship afloat in Edmonton, bank some points while McDavid uh, heals up over the next two to three weeks. I hate this. I'm sorry. I want the Oilers to make the playoffs. Hmm. I want Connor McDavid in the playoffs. I want to watch Connor McDavid in the playoffs with Leon Dreisaitl. The rest of those guys I could give a shit about. Ken Holland, I could give a shit about. Connor McDavid puts asses in seats he makes me want to watch the Oilers I want to see what Connor McDavid does every night he's a guy I want to see in the playoffs I hope they make the playoffs and you know at this point I'm I'm maybe I'm being a bit naive but I I, I hope they've made enough points to get there so hmm. that's where I come down on it yeah. uh, to me you know I, I'm fine uh, the more time he misses the, the better I think it is for his long-term health as a member of the Dallas Stars. So, fair enough. Stars are going to have a big year in 2022 with McDavid and Ovechkin. 2022. Uh, apparently, yeah, McDavid mm-hmm. to Ovechkin to break the record. Let's do it. Uh, one Oiler passing another, perhaps. Maybe not. They'll somehow have, yeah. they'll somehow like the Stars will stock up, but they'll have to do the classic thing that happens in the salary cap era where every team that's really good has to have one bad player. It'll be like Brent Seabrook will be on the fucking blue line there with Ovechkin and McDavid. On I'm the fine team. with it. Should be good. Good. Okay. Um, I think that is the bulk of our content tonight, but I do have a quiz for Brutes. Mm. Tomorrow is the day of love. Valentine's Day, February 14th. If you've got a sweetie, yeah. hold them tight. If you were playing laced up bingo at home, I'm sure that you did not have... Uh, the laced up sex quiz on your uh, your bingo for no, the season, that's, but that's coming for episode sixty nine. Mm. Um, no, this is the Valentine's quiz, um, Brutes. I've got ten questions in front of me. 
uh, th- this is a Valentine themed, a love theme. Let's get emotional theme. Um, I want to. I want to see what you got here. Like, I, it's gonna be ten you know, questions about Carter Hart. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, play along at home if if you can. Keep track if you win. Don't tell me because I don't care. But uh, here we go. Question number one: Was there ever a defenseman named Mark Cupid? <laughs> let's let no. You're close, but let's get right to it. Question mm. one: True or false? Brutes is Valentine or Valentine. Uh, the last name of an NHL player. No. Uh, Chris Valentine uh, played 105 games for the Washington. Oh, I thought Capitals. you meant a current one. No, ever. Well, yeah. Okay, then yeah. All right, I'll 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 give you partial credit for the lack of grammar involved in the question. I will be more thorough in my upcoming questions. How's that? You're one for. One. I feel like there's been a Valentine too. There may have been. Uh, there's actually only one person with the last name spelt V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E. He scored 30 goals in his first season as a 20-year-old. Finished his career with 43. Mm. Number two. Question number two. Which former, former NHLer and Selkie Trophy winner uh, last name translates to the Strand of Love. You're going to have to repeat that question. Which former NHLer and Selkie Trophy winner last name translates to The Strand of Love? Carbono? Uh, that, that is incorrect. We were looking for a current Carolina Hurricanes head coach, Rod Brindamore, mm. the Strand of Love. Yeah, that's I forgot he won a Selkie. Rod the Bod, Strand of Love. Datsuk would have been a weird one. True, a Russian for yeah. Da Strand of Love, yeah. Doesn't even sound Russian. Um, you were one for two. Question number three: Theo Fleury, the flower, the the first flower, the original flower, maybe the second flower, the secondary flower, flower number two. Theo Fleury, did he have... He's flower number one in my heart. More points or games played in his NHL career? Theo Fleury. Oh, shit. I know it's close, too. More points or games in his NHL career? I'm... I'll even go so far as to give you the numbers. Uh, 1,088 and 1,084. This is a real close one. I, I believe he has more games played. Uh, Theo Fleury finishes NHL career with 1,088 points in 1,084 games. Good for him. That's one I'm happy to be wrong on. Yeah, there you go. You are one for three. Uh, question number four, Brutes. Put him in the hall. Brutes, how many Thunder Bay-born NHL players have been vo- born on Valentine's <laughs> Day? Thunder Bay-born NHLers. Are you kidding me? Born on February 14th, uh, A1, B2, C4, or D0. There's no way it's four. Like, there's just no way. I'll go with one. It's probably like Tony Herkus or something. Ooh, Tony Tony Herkus. No. Uh, The answer we were looking for was B2. That's Walt fucked. Padubny and Tom Pyatt, both born on February 14th. 
Valentine's Day. This is a fucking shitty holiday. Brutes, you are one for four. You got to pick it up here in the second half yeah, of the quiz. Well, you know, we're not really going toward my area of expertise well, here. Here we go. In any case, I, I, I think you can make some ground up here as we move forward. A former professional wrestler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart, am I right? Former professional wrestler Brett Hart. There it is. Purchased a WHL team in which major Canadian city? Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, or Winnipeg? When did he purchase it? Uh, The mid-90s. I don't have the exact date in front of me, but it was... Please tell me it was the Calgary Hitman. Uh, It was the Calgary Hitman. Good for him. Calgary, the Bret Hart Hitman. Does he still own them? I, I believe he's relinquished control of the team, but he did originally purchase the team. That's fucking. I know the WHL did not want the team to be named the Hitmen because it was too aggressive. Oh, it's the cool one of the coolest names out there. It, it definitely is. I love Big the fan. Hitmen. That's awesome. There used to be an XFL team called the Hitmen. I think it was the. I think they were the New York Hitmen. By the way, my uh, as soon my, as you said that, yeah, I know. my Dallas yeah. Renegades are zero and one. I saw that start the year. I'm so sorry. Uh, I think they had the ball for I'm going to say like 48 of those 60 minutes, and they lost the game. I do have a question for you though. Did the DC Defenders defend? Yeah, I believe they're one and zero, which is which is even more annoying. Okay. Uh, in any case, you were one for two, or you're sorry, two for. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one for two. <laughs> You were one for two. You're currently two for five mm. on the Valentine's Day quiz. Mm. Okay, we're as we mentioned, uh, Theo Fleury, the second flower. We're looking for the original flower here. I got the the flower original. How many fifty? Oh, goal oh right, seasons, there is another flower. Okay. How many fifty That's plus fair. goal seasons did Guy Lafleur have in a row? In his career. 50 plus? 50 plus goal seasons in a row. Was it A, 4, B, 5, C, 6, or D, 7? First instinct was C, 6. You got it. C, he had six consecutive 50 plus I was going to say that before he even gave me the option, so I'm pretty proud of myself on that Fun one. fact, he only had six 50 goal plus yeah. seasons. He never no, had one that, before, actually. never had one since. I, so. I don't know how I knew that, but I knew that. You are three for six. You're back to 50%. That's a passing grade. Let's go. And the Valentine's Day quiz. (laughs) Brett's number seven, a former Maple Leaf Danny Markov. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You got four questions to go. There is a tiebreaker, so we'll see how this works out. In any case, (laughs) uh, Brutes, a question for you. Are you familiar with the the player Kelly Kissio? No. No. Kelly Kelly Kissio. I got a couple hockey cards of him. I always loved him based on his name, Kelly Kissio, KK. How many Calgary-based franchises did Kelly Kissio play for in his career? A1, B3, C4, or D0? Fuck. Like at any level? Yeah. I mean, it's... It's got to be more than zero. Like, it's... It's just a weird... It's just a weird kind of question to make up, but as a as a part-time quiz master myself, sometimes, you know, like, sometimes that's the way to go. Just make them up. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, three. I don't know. Why not? Big Calgary guy. Going with three. Sure. Going with three. I got good news for you, Brutes. A three is correct. Mm. Kelly Kissio. Uh, played for three Calgary-based franchises. The Calgary Wranglers, 
of the WHL back that's, in the 70s. That's not a thing. The Calgary Flames in the NHL. Real team. And the uh, Calgary Hitman, in which he was the Real GM team. of. So. Oh. But he never played for them? No, I never played for them. But he oh, was so I'm wrong then. No, no, he was part oh, of was the... Oh, was a part of. Yeah, okay, part okay. of the association. Calgary Wranglers. That's fucked. All right. Uh, is he Bruce, Canadian? He, he, he is. Uh, Kelly Kessio? Yeah. Yeah, he is but, from Peace River, Alberta. Yeah, I'm looking him up right now. Uh, when you said it, like, I thought you said Cali Kessio, and I'm, like, thinking he's, like, Finnish. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know anything about this person. Anyway. All right. Question number eight. Brutes, how many Stanley Cup finals has Mark Andre Fleury appeared in? Stanley Cup finals? Stanley Cup Like, has he finals. played a game in or just been on a roster been, in which been the Been a team... member of. Been a member of. Oh, okay. That... That is uh, that is five, is it not? Five is correct. Nice. There you go. You're back. You're back. You're you're here. Here we go. I'm I'm on board. I, I love this. This mm. is great. You're you're going. What is it? No, you don't. You're, you're five <laughs> for eight. I'm you, on a you've roll. Got a passing grade already. Like five in a row. Mm-hmm. No, four in a row. If you get one of the next two questions right, you win the quiz. We can avoid the tiebreaker completely. This is great. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's finish this out strong for all the single ladies at home. Number nine. Jesus. Which player, born on Valentine's Day, has recorded the most points in the NHL? Oh, fuck. Is it A, Milan Heyduk? B, wow. Victor Kozlov? C, no. Marion Gabrick? Or D, no. Dave Lowry? No. I'm going A, Milan Heyduk. Ooh, a very good guess. Milan Heyduk was second. Of all players. There's no way it's Victor Kozlov. Uh, Dave Lowry had 351 points in his career. Victor Kozlov had 537. Come on. Milan Hayduk had 805. And Marion Gabrick had 815 points. No shit, eh? In his career. There Good it for is. Him. Yep. Alright, I gotta this is a tough one. This is question number ten. This is this is real tough. I left it for the end for a reason. Um I don't know. I'm this is I think we're going to extras here, but we'll see. We'll see. You you could you could pull out a surprise a surprise win here for me. Number ten, uh, brutes. Put the following teams in order of Hart Trophy wins by franchise. Okay, Hart Trophy wins by franchise. You ready? Got that? Any questions? Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers. The Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Detroit Red Wings. In order. You can go top to bottom. You can go bottom to top. Just give me an order. What year did they bring the Hart Trophy in? I believe it was 1925. (laughs) Great, I'm thinking the Art Ross. (laughs) It's like 20 years ago. Um, All right. Let's go, uh, fuck. Let's go Detroit. And then... Oh, sorry, is this bottom to top? Or top, top to bottom? To bottom. Top to bottom, all right. That's not a good sign, though. No. All right. No, you, um, give, you give me the order. I just want to... Detroit at the top. Okay. And then... And then Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And then... Who are the other two teams? Boston and who? Montreal? Boston and Montreal. Oh, shit. Maybe Montreal. Actually, no. Let's, okay, let's go Detroit, Montreal... 
Edmonton, Boston. Okay. Uh, with nine Hart Trophy wins, we've got the Detroit Red Wings. Cool. Cool. Gordy Howe back in the day, the boys. Yeah, I'm familiar. You know, Sergei Fedorov had one back in the 90s. Mm, yeah. uh, Victor Kozlov certainly did not. There you go. Uh, with ten, however, ah. is the Edmonton Oilers. Bah. Um, eight of which won by Gretzky, one by Messier, one by McDavid. Uh, in second place, I was legit gonna guess Cur- or Curry had the other one. I yeah. fucking forgot McDavid plays. In second place, we got the Boston Bruins with thirteen. Oh fuck! Yeah, thirteen Hart trophies. You may remember guys like Esposito and Orr. Yeah. Number one, the Montreal Canadiens with seventeen Hart trophies, including two goaltenders on the list: Jose Theodore, Carey Price. Uh, most recently, winning it for the Montreal Canadien. Okay, so that puts you at five correct, five incorrect, hmm. which leads us to our tiebreaker. Brutes, um, I want to know. Do I want to know? What overall was Philadelphia goaltender? Carter Hart drafted at. Oh. thought it was going to be like, what overall is Carter Hart in NHL 220? Was he drafted 23rd overall by the Philadelphia Flyers? Was he drafted 48th overall by the Philadelphia Flyers? Was he drafted 63rd overall by the Philadelphia Flyers? Or was he drafted 79th overall by the Philadelphia Mm. Flyers? I believe it is 79th overall. Uh, Carter Hart was drafted 48th overall by mm. the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round of the 2016 draft. Um, a valiant effort. A great mm. effort. Any lady would be lucky to have you for Valentine's Day this Friday. Um, <laughs> this Friday. If you're listening and don't have a date for Valentine's night, uh, mm. consider Brutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was uh, laced up a hockey podcast for this week. I, I did want to mention too. Uh, we are, um, it's time for our new segment on laced up. Uh, every week, we thought it'd be a fun idea to go through some milestones and uh, tell you, tell you, you know, what you might be looking at this week. Who, you know, who could potentially uh, be a big milestone guy? I'm going to send you this Not link. So much. Send you this link here on. Uh, on Facebook, James, if you want to read some off. But uh, as we mentioned, Alexander Ovechkin is two goals away from uh, 700. He's at 698, so he might be hitting that uh, over the course of the next week. We've also got Jamie Benn uh, at 299. Real close to goal number 300, James. Now that That is correct. Uh, Robin Linner, four games away from 300 in his career. Hmm. Andrew Cogliano is going to play game number 1,000 this week as well, uh, as well as David Krejci on 8.99 and Toronto Maple Leaf legend Roman Polak at 7.99. Mark Andre Fleury is one shutout shy of 60. Um, Kelly Yarncroak very close to 100 assists. <laughs> Ravi Shahan two games away from 500. The uh, Good gravy. <laughs> um, 
If you're looking for 200 points on your NHL career, look no further than Shane Gossisbear, Alex Wenberg, and Alec Martinez are all very close to number 200. Uh, Wenberg and, and Gossisbear, 199. Martinez, 198. Kyle Ocposo and Mike Green tied for 499 points each. Who gets there first? Mike Green. <laughs> uh, and uh, my personal favorite, um, we got two players who will hopefully have 100 points by the end of the week, as they said at 99. Uh, Essa Lindell, who's a defenseman, and Pavel Zaka, who's a former, like, top 10 pick. Still still chipping away there. Still chipping away. So, should be good. Yeah, uh, we left some guys out, but <laughs> whatever. It's part of the fun. Ooh, Michael Hutchins has got 50 wins in the season. Congratulations mm. for achieving that milestone. Yeah. I still can't believe Riley Shahan's about to play 500 games. Uh, that was your main episode this week. We should be back next week on Tuesday, uh, more than likely, and then back to Mondays after that. Uh, there's no point in us releasing on Monday when we're already releasing on Thursday of this week. And it is family day in Ontario. so um, <laughs> Which I did not know. Yeah, James had no idea that that was a real holiday. Uh, that's a shame. So... Uh, I have nothing to plug as, again, uh, I'm annoyed about my article becoming irrelevant last week, so still bitter. Um, I thought about writing a piece about how I'm annoyed with people complaining about Tyson Berry, even though I also don't really love Tyson Berry, but um, I didn't write it yet. We'll see. I'll I'll let things get worse before I try to calm down the the crowd. I am here to plug my knowledge of Oscars Mm -hmm. and their winners. Yeah. So go check out the bonus episode if you Mm -hmm. haven't already. You should plug that pie hole of yours is what you should do. Mm, interesting. Mm. Interesting. I can go for a pie right now. Mm. A little famished, uh-huh. as it were. Peckish, you might even say. Yeah. I'd have a beer. <laughs> You've had enough. All right, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! your confidence so don't go shy on me blurred lines see it deep in your eyes my heart said stealing all my confidence so don't take that from me we don't need no privacy eyes wide open watching me we don't need no walls to be alone, be alone But we never should have come here looking for love Searching for that feeling, would it be enough? Rain just a taste of the way that it was I'm faking but I'm alright Under the black light this time I'm asking who the Me. 
Should've come.